As we near closer and closer to a Kirk Cousins decision, a big question looms. Can the Vikings even afford to let Kirk walk? Let's break it down and all the rest of your questions on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for those of you who listen to this show every single day. My hashtag every day. I love you all so very much. If you're new here, hello, what's up? My name is Luke. I will be your host, and you can find the show wherever you find all of your favorite podcasts, including the SiriusXM app. You can find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Today is Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering your questions. If you have a question for me, you can email it to me at any time at LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also fill out the Google form in the show notes and I will get to it. Feel free to DM me on Twitter, but I'll be honest, I will probably forget or I might just answer it right there in the moment so that I don't forget. So yeah, shoot me questions whenever and then every week I'll catch up and answer a whole bunch of them. Uh, the first one that I'm going to answer today, there's actually a bunch of quarterback questions. I wonder why that is, <laughs> but it comes from, I like beans too. Good. We're off to a great start. Uh, who asks if Kirk hits free agency, He's gone, right? I have I find it hard to believe they'd go into legal tampering with two separate plans since I'd assume so much hinges on that. Is it possible that the Vikings have an informal deadline with Kirk so that they can plan free agency? Um, okay, so it sounds like, I, I think Kirk Cousins, or no, it was, Kirk Cousins has been saying like, we'll start talking in March or whatever, which is wild because the deadline is March 13th. 13th. It would give them 13 days to hammer out an entire contract. Um I, and I think he was just speaking in vagaries, so I don't think he literally means, like, I will not to speak to the Vikings until 10 days before the deadline. That'd be insane. Um, but they're they're all talking about, like, we don't know what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. Very future tense. Um, but I think somebody reported, and I apologize profusely, I cannot remember who I saw this from. Um, I want to say maybe it was Darren Wolfson, but I'm super sorry, um, who said that, you know, we maybe can expect an answer in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we're getting to that point with Kirk Cousins in it, and it will happen. And the Daniil Hunt, maybe it was Jeremy Fowler because he was talking about how Daniil Hunter's contract is kind of waiting for Kirk's thing to get resolved first, and then they'll work on Daniil Hunter. Uh, so at least we know the order of operations, right? We'll learn about Kirk before we learn about Hunter, and those both have to be resolved before free agency. So yeah, that's where it's at. Um, but yeah, is the, do they have two separate plans, uh, Here's the the rub with Kirk Cousins. The second he voids out, he no longer comes with that like functional like deferred discount thing that happens because of the void years. Currently, as it stands, as the salary cap recognizes Kirk Cousins' contract, he does not cost $28.5 million in 2024. He's only projected to because that's what he would cost if he walks. Right now, I think it costs like $10.5 million, plus whatever else you pay him if you want to pay him more and, and buy more years of him. Um... And that would all stay spread out and stuff. That's how the void years work. So once he leaves, now he carries a 28.5 million dead cap hit. And that's just that. 
That's just money that is is locked in and no no amount of shenanigans. There's no way to restructure it. There's no way to move it. There's no way to, to do anything but pay it all off at once and take a big old hit in the 2024 cap. It's really hard to see that happening and then see that player come back unless they're coming back on like the veteran minimum, which Cousins won't have to do. He'll be able to get actual money from someone else. So there's virtually zero chance that Kirk Cousins hits free agency and then comes back. If the Vikings want him back, they will re-sign him in a way that is like way more efficient on the cap and way more sensible in terms of like payout structure against the salary cap. Um, so in terms of like an informal deadline, yeah, there might be something that's, but it's probably more about leaving enough room to negotiate with the Neil Hunter. You don't want to have to do that in 20, you know, 48 hours because you stared at Kirk Cousins for too long. Simon asks, which QB result would you be the most disappointed with in draft or free agency? Um, I think a dead year. That's what would kill me. No Sam Howell years. This is, I don't want to go through what the commanders, did you pay attention to the commanders? Did the commanders matter this year? No, they did not. And now they're going to get a top three pick to go get a quarterback and that quarterback might bust out. Like no, no Zach Wilsoning, right? No, no, none of that. Um, I don't want to go in with like the, a Jaron Hall competes with Gardner Minshew kind of thing. That would really, really suck. Uh, that just would kind of tell me that, that, that the team is no longer serious about success and they'd rather just lower their expectations so everyone will be less mad at them. And to me, that's not acceptable. Yort asks, why don't we, instead of getting our guy, trade for a cheap QB elsewhere in the league? A young guy with high upside, someone like Zach Wilson, Sam Howell, or Mac Jones. Oh, <laughs> I, those three names, the answer is pretty simple, uh, that, that they're bad quarterbacks <laughs> and they aren't, I don't see those guys as like upside. I see those guys as like proven to just like kind of reek. Um, if there is a quarterback still with the idea of like un untapped potential, um, think about like, I think about like Justin Fields this way, right? There is still this air around him that if he just gets the right surroundings, everything will click, right? But that guy's not going to be cheap. Because there's potential that he's the real quarterback. Why would they give you that for cheap? And like, of course, with the Vikings, there's the in-division tax of it all. But even if you're the Patriots or the Commanders, like you don't get to just like take that guy for a day three pick, right? Like the Bears still are going to treat him and he's going to be priced like somebody who could potentially be QB of the future. Um, and I think for some, like the reason that they are cheap is because that potential no longer exists. We know. <laughs> we, we know that with, with like Sam Powell or whoever. Uh, Bradley Knorr asks, would you be willing to trade one of Derrissaw, O'Neal, or Addison as part of a deal and a trade-up for one of the top three quarterbacks? Here's where I land on that. I, I think that that's not a necessary move. And the thing about a draft pick, if you're trading up to go to the third overall pick, the third overall pick is a probabilistic asset. What I mean by that is it is a dice roll. It is a thing that could be a great player and it could be Matt Khalil right? Like it, it can be good and it can be bad. And the higher the pick, the better your odds of being good, but it's still odds. You're still playing probabilities. You still can have the first overall pick and whiff, right? Like it happens all the time. Um, so if I am going to acquire a probabilistic asset, I kind of only want to pay other probabilistic assets and their value relative to each other is very easy to compare and very easy to price out. So if, if I'm calling and they're saying we want, you know, two first round picks in Derisaw, I'm countering, hey, what about three first round picks, right? Just to make the numbers easy. I don't know if it actually would take three first round picks to go up that. I mean, I wouldn't be like super shocked, but also maybe not. I don't know. But just to make the, the math easy, I, like I would much rather uh, 
spend draft picks to get draft picks. Rather, I mean, the thing about Derisaw and O'Neal in particular is they are sure things. We know that they are good tackles. If you trade Derisaw for, let's even simplify this and take the QB thing out of the equation. Let's say you traded Brian O'Neal and it would save you some cap space and you got a first round pick for him, right? Let's say you did that. Well, that cap space goes into an asset that might not work out. And that draft pick also might not work out. We know Brian O'Neill will work out. We, we know he's good. He is, he is a sure thing. And so an, he is not a probabilistic asset. So to flip us a, a sure thing for probabilistic assets, you're going to bleed value really hard if you do that a lot. And that's the same argument against trading someone like Justin Jefferson, right? Which I went off pretty hard on <laughs> in the show last week. Uh, that, you know, a sure thing is just going to be worth, it's, it's, you know, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush, basically, is all I'm saying here. There's a cliche for a reason. Um, so I, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wish I didn't have to do that. And if I can do draft picks instead, I would much rather prefer to do that. If the difference between getting the quarterback of the future and, or like picking Michael Penix in the second round means I have to give up a tackle. Yeah, I guess you, I, you got it, but I don't think that that's the dichotomy. Um, I, I think that if, if that's the choice you've been backed into, you did a really bad job negotiating. Uh, Wolves Back asks, I heard that Jaden Daniels doesn't throw very well slash doesn't throw over the middle often. Is that something you noticed? So I've done my Patreon video, patreon.com slash LukeBrownNFL on Jaden Daniels. You can see some of that. I think there's some throws over the middle in there. Um, and I did an article on him uh, for Wide Left on his like dropbacks and stuff. Haven't done a Locked on Vikings episode about him yet, but that should come. That might happen this week, actually. Um, so short answer is no, I do not share that concern. Uh, maybe that's like a charting thing that more stuff went to the outside, but that's probably more of a factor of just like offensive scheme and the defenses that they played. And like, there's probably a reason they wanted to do that. Um, and I don't see any reason to be concerned with Jaden Daniels over the middle. I don't know. Maybe I just like didn't notice the pattern enough or I didn't watch the right games or whatever. But I don't really like I saw him hit the backside basic a bunch. I, I, I saw him um, go for like some bombas down the field. Like I think I saw him hit a post a couple times like here or there. Like, I don't know. It seemed fine to me. Uh, didn't write it down one way or another on my notes. I've got a bunch of real interesting questions coming up here on Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked on Vikings podcast. Excited to get to them. Today's episode of Locked on Vikings is brought to you by DoorDash. Folks, it is Valentine's Day tomorrow, which means if you've got a special someone, do not forget to get those flowers, which you can get on DoorDash. If that's the thing that you are all into, you can, of course, get that delivered directly to your door, to your workplace or whatever. If you're scrambling, <laughs> you procrastinated, it's OK. Nobody has to know. Just punch that thing in on DoorDash and get it delivered right to you. And they will not know the difference. If also, if you maybe didn't, didn't get a chance to hit the grocery store because you're about to cook up a special meal, which by the way, always recommend that for a good date. You can always impress that special someone. Hit me up. I'll get you a nice accessible recipe. Uh, you can also get those groceries delivered directly to your door as well. Save yourself some time. Whatever it is, just find the DoorDash app and uh, use it to save your life. DoorDash is your door to more. Head to the DoorDash app to get everything you need delivered. Thank you so, so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. When you're done here, 
Go check out Lockdown Minnesota Sports. You can get a 24-7 Minnesota Sports YouTube feed, basically like a, a TV channel, but for only Minnesota Sports. Lockdown shows like this one, Lockdown Wolves, Wins, Twins, Wild, and so on all day long. To flick that thing on in the background and forget about it, and you will be up to date on all of the biggest stories in Minnesota sports. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday episode, the next one comes from Carlos Skoll, who says, So, I haven't found a rational explanation for this anywhere. What was the Chiefs' logic behind not calling a timeout in the last series of the Super Bowl? And by the way, we've got a bunch of Super Bowl ones coming up here. Um, so, Carlo, uh, you he went on a whole thing about how like it's really risky to let the clock wind down like that. What if they didn't get a touchdown? Uh, so, this was a confusion that many people had, including like several members of the San Francisco 49ers. That wouldn't have been the end of the game at the end of the clock there. It's treated like the end of the first quarter. They would have just flipped sides and continued onward on second down or whatever. So, yeah, uh, that would have been super, super risky if, yeah, they like let the clock wind down. It's like I get not wanting the other team to get time, but if you score a touchdown, the game ends anyways. So, yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, that would not have been the end of the game. They were fine with that clock running out, just like you'd be fine with the first quarter running out. Chuck asks, you win the OT coin toss in the Super Bowl. Same situation as the 49ers. Do you take the ball or play defense and why? We actually had a long discussion about this on the Minnesota football party, which you can find the audio on this very audio feed. Or if you're a YouTube viewer, go to Locked on Minnesota Sports, watch it on YouTube there. Uh, we, we talked a lot about it. And I guess the calculus goes as such the way that I've kind of learned about it now. The analytics people are all over this. This is like very much their thing. Uh, so they've they've done a lot of of work on on the new rules and how it works, especially compared to like college overtime, which we have a lot of data on and is a similar-ish format. Um, so it basically goes like this. If you go first, you the main advantage that you get is that in the event that you're still tied at the end of two possessions, so the overtime rules changed. If you didn't watch the Super Bowl... Uh, <laughs> need some catching up. The overtime rules were different in the playoffs this year, and it finally came up here. Both teams are guaranteed a possession now. So none of this, if they get a field goal, then the other team gets a chance to respond, but a touchdown, they win the game. It doesn't, nothing, there's no way to end the game on the first possession anymore, except for a defensive touchdown, which I would argue kind of counts like, well, the other team did possess the ball for at least part of that play. <laughs> Um, so every, both teams get a chance to score basically. And then if you're still tied at the end of that, whether it's, you know, zero, zero, or both teams get a field goal or whatever, then you're good to go. Or I guess if both teams get a touchdown, but probably the second team is going for two at that point. So if it's still tied at the end of that, then you get a, um, then you just go into true sudden death, like, uh, like the way it used to be. Cause now both teams have gotten a chance. So given that 49ers win the toss, they said they wanted to kick. They wanted to be, or no, they wanted the ball. Yeah, they said they wanted the ball. They wanted to go first. Um, part of that is that if you are still tied, you now get the sudden death advantage where you can now go just drive down, kick a field goal, and the other team won't, there's nothing the other team can do about it uh, on offense, right? You get Pat Mahomes totally off the field if you get that. So that's the advantage. The advantage of kicking is that if the other team goes down and say only kicks a field goal, which is what happened, then the Chiefs who went second had the advantage of knowing that um, they had the luxury of kicking a field goal, knowing that you know they had to go for it on a certain fourth down, knowing information, right? You get that informational advantage. It's close mathematically. These factors balance out quite a bit, uh, which I think makes it a good rule change, which is, I think, my strongest take on that is just that, okay, cool. Seems like that system works and is balanced and just should be the rules from now on. 
Um, if I'm the 49ers, I, I think that the 49ers defense was kind of gassed. They, this is what a lot of people said. Cause I said, wow, 49ers made a huge mistake. And a bunch of people said like, well, I don't know. The defense was kind of gassed. If you give the chiefs the ball or if you give the 49ers the ball first, then the, the defense gets to rest, which I find pretty persuasive. And I think I, I would say that that's probably it, but it's close either way. So if you disagree with me, that's perfectly valid. Uh, Kyle Umptvet said, how can so many different writers and analysts that attend the senior bowl and combine come away with such different reviews on certain players? One example, Bo Nix, uh, Arif Hassan thought he had a very bad week while Jordan Reed of ESPN said he helped himself, uh, the most at the senior bowl. So when it comes to draft stuff, especially the senior bowl, we're talking about practice, right? Uh, and I know Arif did not watch the game. He only watched the practices he was there for. And so that might be it, right? Maybe he had a better game than he had practices. So Arif's talking about the practices and Jordan's talking about the game and that could be it. That happens to me in camp all the time. I see a practice player does well, somebody else goes a different day said, and that player did poorly. And then suddenly we disagree and it's like, well, we just saw different plays, right? So of course we evaluated them differently. Um, but there also is this thing that happens in the draft more broadly in just like base of knowledge. Like if I know something that you don't, or if you know something that I don't, like, say you just know this thing about quarterback play that I just haven't, this technique thing that you know to look for and I've never heard of, right? And you see this really pronounced version of that technique, say this quarterback that's really bad at that technique thing, and you go, man, he's really bad, that's going to hurt him. And I don't know about it. Well, I'm not going to, I'm going to be wrong about that then, right? Uh, or, or at the very least, I'm going to be guessing. And you won't be guessing, and that's going to mean that you might get a different answer than me. And maybe you make the mistake of overvaluing it, and then I get to be better at that or whatever, right? But it just adds this, this potential for us to be different. Uh, and I think that's kind of part of it, right? Like that's part. That, so, so if I don't know it, and then I'm wrong about that guy because I didn't know it, this is I'm describing what happened to me with Christian Derrissaw. There was certain stuff that he was doing that looked to me like it just was like not proper technique, but he actually was doing something that was very advanced that I didn't know about in the way that he was setting and the footwork he was doing. And then I learned. And now I know what that is supposed to look like. And I see him do it. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's a Christian Derrissaw thing. And I'll see somebody else do it. And I go, oh, kind of like Christian Derrissaw did it. Now I understand it. And my understanding has been expanded. And that's what you can learn from. But yeah, if, if one person knows something and the other doesn't, then they're going to get a different answer. And whoever it turns out to be right is, I don't know, then you get into hindsight stuff and I don't really care about it anymore. Vikings legend John David Booty. God, I, I just, I know that's not really John David Booty, but I'm going to just like tell myself that it is and believe. Uh, so congratulations on, on an NFL career, John David Booty. He says, which Vikings player surprised you with their level of play this year, both good and bad? Uh, the easy answer to this is Ivan Pace. Uh, I don't think anybody expected him to do exactly what he did. I, I remember um, people being pretty hyped about him pre-draft. I didn't actually watch him even after we drafted him because he was a, or even after we took him because he was an undrafted guy. And I kind of stopped after the the like true drafted players. It, it wasn't until I got to camp that I like realized <laughs> was like, oh, this dude can play. Uh, but even with that, he's he exceeded that expectation. So it was just like totally out of left field. Um, and then for somebody who played worse than I thought, probably KJ Osborne, the drops issue was pretty surprising to me. That's not really something that. Uh, we had come to expect from him. I We thought of him really as a clutch player, and, and he just didn't play as well. Got super usurped by Jordan Addison, which I kind of thought was definitely not a guarantee, but it happened. So you can say that that like, didn't match my expectations. Cool Carp asks, are you concerned about interior defensive line at all? Oh, boy, am I. 
all across the defensive line. So they'll still have Harrison Phillips, who I really like under contract. I believe Tonga is a free agent. Bullard is a free agent. And then you have like Jaquel and Roy, who was behind both those guys on the depth chart. So yeah, you need some big boy dudes. I think it's actually a pretty dire need, a dire enough need where if the Vikings decide not to go quarterback in the first round and instead they choose a nose tackle, I think that would be a perfectly reasonable choice, assuming that you're not going quarterback because you just don't like any of the quarterbacks that are left, right? Like the top three go and you don't like McCarthy and Nixon Penix, right? And then you just take a nose tackle. I think that would be perfectly sensible given those priors. Um, on that topic, Nate Ferris says, who are some of the defensive linemen slash edge rushers that the Vikings should target in free agency? Um, I've already gone over Dorrance Armstrong on this show in a previous one who I think would be a pretty cool get. Uh, there's nose tackle wise or like D tackle wise. I think the guy for me that I would like do backflips over is DJ reader. It would be such a coup. Like Cincinnati should bring him back. He should never touch the market, but it would be such a coup to get DJ reader. That dude is such a bully. Um, you can also go for one of the like, uh, bargain bin options that people are excited about is tier tart. Uh, or if you want to, you know, go ham on it, you could go spend 21 mil a year for uh, Christian Wilkins, which would be pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've got a few more questions here that uh, some of them are even serious. So we'll get into those next on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. Today's episode of Lockdown Vikings is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, if you are new to FanDuel, you, you saw everybody having all kinds of fun at the Super Bowl, you want to get in on the action for basketball season, hockey season, and even fu football futures, you can get in uh, you can get in right now at, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, sign up there, make a $5 bet on anything. It could be a, a Timberwolves money line that's heavily favored, which I hear those happen uh, every now and then. And uh, it, assuming that wins, you get 150 bucks back, 30 to one odds on that if that bet wins. You can get save ga same game parlays, even doing that live in the middle of a game, exclusive props, and of course, all the classic spreads, over-unders, and all of that. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and get started. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Let's wrap this thing up with the Locked On Vikings podcast here. Sick Rosa asks, have you seen any of the Antoine Winfield to Minnesota stuff? Do you think it would be a beneficial move? Uh, second part first, yeah, of course. Uh, good players are good. Uh, and if if you're worried that, oh, we already have good safeties and that would create a redundancy, redundancy is an opportunity, not a problem. Um, that just means you can go with some really cool three safety sets, maybe even four safety sets if Lewis Seen take a, takes a step, right? Uh, or now you're guarded against Harrison Smith retiring, right? And, and it, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's gonna, maybe he won't like, I'm very much guessing there just going kind of off the gut, but kind of feels like Harrison Smith's going to retire. So sure. Now you can go keep doing the three safety stuff you did this year and he's, he's a good player. So yeah, sure. That'd be really fun. Plus, I mean, the emotional part of it would just be like super cool. So I'd be really into it. Uh, have I heard of the, I had not heard of the rumors at all though, before this question, I had to do some searching around. I think I trace this back to Judd Zolgad. I think he's the guy that's like reporting it. I, I want to make sure that I'm right about that. So if I'm wrong, I super apologize because it sounds like you actually like report. He, this was not just like the score North reckless speculation thing that they do on their show, which is very much a segment that is not meant to be like, I'm staking my reputation on this. They're just spitballing. Right. And they're just doing it for fun. And it's very important to like know when they're doing that or not. Um, 
this actually seems like it's seriously like Judd Zolgad saying, yeah, no, they are high on this player, which is information that when he says sources, when somebody like Judd says like the word like sources told me, which I think I saw, uh, that they do not do that lightly. So yeah, that seems like something that is not just like he liked an Instagram post. Like that's an actual report, which means we can put a little bit of weight on it. Um, yeah, would be pretty sick. Uh, Jake Bieber asks, in the spirit of watching Moneyball this evening, nice, success from outside the box schemes makes for exciting ball. If you were an NFL GM looking to win a Super Bowl, what unique or unpopular roster building idea would you gamble on? Hmm. What unpopular idea would I go crazy on? I think that I would probably look for market inefficiencies really hard. And that's not novel. And I don't think anything in the NFL is novel. It's all just recycled ideas. And I'm stealing a lot from Bill Belichick here, like in the good years uh, of Bill Belichick in the 2000s and stuff, where he was really good at identifying market inefficiencies. And what I mean by that is players that are losing value for reasons that may not translate to that being like a fair amount of value. If somebody's, you know, got a character issue that I see as worth, you know, $5 million of salary as a hedge, but his value has tanked $10 million because of it, I'm going to pursue that, right? That that now is efficiency is, is efficient and that's an efficient deal. But I think you're looking for something spicier than that because a lot of people do that. Um, I would go heavy on nose tackle and like one of the market inefficiencies that I would find is I would I would identify the positions that are undervalued the most, and I think D tackle is definitely one of them, and I think guard is one of them in a big t- in a big way, and I would get the most expensive guy there, because I know that my money is going really really far there, because the most expensive guard still might be undervalued, and I, I honestly I think that's the case with Saquon Barkley. He's the most expensive running back, and I think he's going to be undervalued because running back value has like crashed so hard that market is crashing like it's the stock in 1929. Uh, JV Swap says, what franchise has the coolest identity, name, mascot, colors, etc.? So even trying to go beyond my Homer bias here, uh, the Vikings have such a, I mean, come on, the color purple rocks, the Viking thing rocks. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's drives at the Scandinavian roots of Minnesota. It's just like really baller. <laughs> like it's just really like intimidating and cool. I think it's awesome. Um, I also, for similar reasons, think the Raiders have a really cool mascot and identity. Not only the silver and black, I think is a good aesthetic. I think that logo is pretty cool. Um, but the just win baby, the, the like gleefully being the villains of the seventies kind of thing. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying kind of thing. They really embraced being the villain and they had this like aesthetically mascot identity vibe wise, very, um, clear and focused idea of what it was a very strong brand. Going outside the NFL, I've always been partial to the New York Liberty as a really cool aesthetic. They dress like the Statue of Liberty. That's just cool. And it's a pretty aesthetically pleasing color as well. Very New York. I think that kind of rocks as well. Chris asks, do you think Tom Brady will be a good announcer if and when he enters that realm? I think it'll it'll follow the pattern everybody follows. Uh, we saw it with Romo. We're seeing, seeing it with Greg Olson and, and watch for the decline. You start out the first couple of years and you have fresh ideas and fresh takes and it's very exciting and everybody likes you. And then eventually this, you, you get in trouble one too many times for coloring outside the lines. And the studio, I think especially CBS does this, the studio eventually like assimilates you into just being another milquetoast commentator and then everybody starts to hate you. First couple of years, great. And then the more you do it, I honestly, I think the less, I don't think that that job is very fulfilling 
for a lot of people for a long time. I mean, there are some people that I clearly love what they do, like Chris Collinsworth, but I think for a lot of people, they burn out, honestly. And I think that's happening to to Tony Romo. I think that happened to Phil Simms. Maybe it's just that Jim Nance is an energy vampire, which I do believe, uh, like in the What We Do in the Shadows lore. Colin Robinson, Jim Nance, I think absolutely. Uh, so maybe it's just that. But um, yeah, I think he will be to start, and then we'll see if he if he retains the passion. Jettus Fan for Life says, will the Vikings be Super Bowl contenders the next two years? I am a diehard fan. Let me answer this with a question back at you. If I say yes to that question, what would you do? Or uh, sorry, if I say no to that question, what would you do? If I say, no, nah, I don't think they're going to be Super Bowl contenders, right? Which is, I think, a fair enough take, right? If they whiff on a quarterback, if they bring back Kirk Cousins for two years, and then I can say, well, that's the 500 guy, right? Like, there's a bunch of ways that you could get to that take. And if I said, no, I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender for the next two years, what are you going to do about it? Seriously, what are you, are you going to stop watching? Are you going to leave? Are you going to, like, no longer, are you going to change your Twitter situation because you've got, like, a Vikings profile pic and your name is Jettis for life? <laughs> are you going to do change your whole identity around that? Or are you going to show up week one with all the rest of us and still root for them? I think it's the latter. I'm calling your bluff. Um, Lextron says, Klein Saucer? Yes. Eric the Red asks, season's over. What am I supposed to do with my life for the next 28 days? Let me tell you, you're supposed to listen to the Lockdown Vikings podcast, available available Monday through Friday, anywhere you find your favorite shows. We'll do, I don't know, Jaden Daniels tomorrow, something like that. We'll see. And as always, skull.